get into our message today. So that's Ephesians 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. Those verses are about how God has made a new people joined together. And hostility between different people groups and different ethnicities have been broken down and don't mean anything anymore because we can be one in Christ. And that's something that struck me as I was praying and something I pray for uh, Ukraine and Russia. May they know that there can be new life that brings them together, that breaks down this hostility uh, and cuts through these old pains. Today's topic is actually on the Bible. So we're not only preaching from the Bible, we're actually talking about the Bible today. We're talking about the, uh, the two testaments, the 66 books, the 1,189 chapters that are the central text of the Christian faith. And the whole core truth of the sermon today is that the Bible is awesome and we should read it more. So if you go away only knowing that, then actually I can brace it down and that's it. Uh, but before we dive into that, before we look at some of the claims that the Bible makes for itself, I want to test how much you guys as a congregation actually know about the Bible. How do you, much do you know about what is in that Bible? Um, so I'm going to introduce you to Chowdean's newest game show, which should appear just here. Sean? The Bible or Lord of the Rings? <laughs> what I'm going to do is very simple, very simple premise. I'm going to read out quotes, and they're going to come from either the Bible or from J.R.R. Tolkien's fantasy series, Lord of the Rings. Okay? And I'm going to ask you to vote whether or not you think what I'm reading is from Lord of the Rings or from the Bible. I'm going to test, therefore, how well you know Lord of the Rings and the Bible. So if you know either of those, you have an advantage. Uh, this should be quite easy. I tested these on Fuller, and she got 100%. Um, but that's probably because she really, really likes both of those things. Um, and in fact, she did so well, she then rewrote the quiz for me afterwards because she thought my questions weren't good enough. Um, so this is partly on her. So, quote one, I'm going to read this to you, and then by a show of hands, I'm going to get you to vote one way or another. So, quote one, you step into the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there is no knowing where you might be swept off to. So you step into the road, and if you don't keep your feet... There is no knowing where you might be swept off to. Uh, so please put your hands up if you think that is from Lord of the Rings. Okay. Okay, a solid number. Please put your hands up if you think it's for the Bible, from the Bible. The message version. <laughs> We've got one defined person there. You, that was a nice, easy one. Uh, the majority of people got it right. So obviously, like, good joke about the message. Um, but... It is indeed from Lord of the Rings. That is a quote from Frodo Baggins in The Fellowship of the Ring. Just to let you know, for anyone who's a pedant, um, I'm taking quotes from both the films and the books. Okay? So there's a wide range of quotes here. So there will be some which didn't appear in the books and some which didn't appear in the films. Quote two. This hopefully should be another easy one. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of the old men is their gray hair. Is that from Lord of the Rings? Please put your hand up if you think it is. Oh, you're good. You're good. <laughs> put your hands up if you think it's the Bible. Excellent. It is indeed the Bible. That's Proverbs 20, 29. Quite a famous proverb as well. Well, it's often used, particularly around birthdays for some reason. I don't know why. Okay. Quote three. 
Your time will come. You will face the same evil and you will defeat it. Your time will come. You will face the same evil and you will defeat it. Please put your hands up if you think that's from Lord of the Rings. Okay, some people, but maybe about a third of people with their hands up. Please put your hand up if you think it's from the Bible. Okay, a smattering from the Bible. Okay, that is actually a quote from Arwen from the film. I think it's from the second Lord of the Rings film. It's not in the books, though, because I checked. It's not in the books, it's only in the film. Next quote. But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow, and even darkness must pass. But in the end, it is only a passing thing, this shadow, even darkness must pass. Please put your hand up if you think that's from Lord of the Rings. Okay. A few tentative hands. So some not very emphatic there, but let's keep the hands up. Who, put, who thinks it's from the Bible? Okay, I think it's actually about equal. A lot of people there did not put their hands up, so staying on the fence. That is Samwise Gamgee in the final Lord of the Rings film. Okay, it's a very nice quote, and I've heard it mentioned in many sermons, but it is Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings. Uh, I think he says it to Frodo when he's given like, some, one of his many stirring speeches. Final quote. What is my strength that I should wait and my end that I be patient? This is not a famous quote from either of them, okay? but it is a quote in one of them. What is my strength that I should wait and my end that I should be patient? Please put your hands up if you think that's from Lord of the Rings. Okay? Okay? Yeah, we've got a few. Please put your hands up if you think that's from the Bible. Okay. Clearly, preference for the Bible there. And you would be correct. That's from Job 6, verse 11. That's from one of the speeches that Job gives in the depths of one of the many, many chapters that I'm sure you've read quite a lot of. Awesome. So actually, that's pretty, I feel pretty good about that. Most of the questions you got correct. There are a few ones that you were tentative about. But that shows you guys got a good understanding of what at least sounds like the Bible and what sounds like a fantasy series that makes millions at the box office. Um, today, we're going to look at the Bible itself, and we're going to look at some of the claims that it makes for itself. Um, and we're going to do that by diving in to Psalm 1, the very first psalm uh, in the 150 collection that we have. Um, if you want to follow it along, it should appear on the screen. There it is but you can also get it up on your phones or on a physical Bible as well. Extra points if you do have a physical Bible, uh, because that won't stay up there the whole time, but if you have it in your phone, you can follow it along while I'm talking about it. So, someone reading from the English Standard Version. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. 
The Bible makes some pretty big claims for itself, and Psalm 1 is an example of that. It tells us that the Bible blesses those who read it. And not only that, but it also blesses those around the people that read it as well. In verse 2, it says, the law of the Lord. Um, that's not talking about law in the same way that you or I would probably think about it as a series of rules laid down by a government that we have to follow, otherwise the, the police will take us away. The Hebrew word is actually much, much broader and covers a whole bunch of English words that you can't all stick in when you translate it. It's talking about instruction. It's talking about guidance. It's talking about wisdom in the scriptures. It's talking about the wisdom that God has revealed to his people and that we have collected together in the 66 books that make up the Bible. And these verses tell us in Psalm 1 that if we follow that wisdom, if we listen to the instruction and the guidance in this word, then we can find true happiness and true contentment in doing that. Psalm 1 tells us that those that follow God's word are blessed people. Those that delight in reading it, that meditate upon it, that take joy in taking it and applying it to their lives, will be blessed. There is joy and happiness in doing that. This psalm paints us a picture and asks us to imagine something uh, to help us understand what this means. It asks us to imagine a tree, a tree that's growing healthy by a riverbank. It's, it's growing great fruit and it's supplying uh, the people around it with food. It's blessing those around it. It can withstand the summer's heat. It can put up with the bite of the winter cold. It doesn't wither away, but it stands true and it stands healthy. It is a tree that is strong. It is a tree that sticks around even when other trees fall down and it is left alone. And why is this tree so successful? Well, the psalm tells us it is simple. It is next to the water. There are streams running past it, providing all this tree needs to grow strong and to grow tall. This tree can yield fruit simply because it's been supplied with the water it needs to yield that fruit. This tree does not wither in the summer because it has been given the water it needs to survive the heat. This tree is a metaphor for the person who reads the word of God. Uh, the person who, who, who reads the word of God grows and benefits those around them, just as the tree grows and provides fruit for those around them. The person who, who reads the word of God grows in resilience, just as that tree has grown in resilience, so it doesn't wither when the weather turns against it. Those streams, those in the metaphor, represent God's wisdom, God's word, God's scriptures. As the tree is nourished by the water, so the Christian is nourished by God's word. The water grows us. The word grows us. It builds us up so we become people that serve and benefit others. And it gives us resilience. So when the hard time comes, and they do come, we know that. It gives us something to nourish us, something to hold on to. And that stands in stark contrast to the dust that blows away. And that is the alternative, that which is not nourished by God's word, that is not blessed, that is carried away in those hard times, unable to stand strong and help others. 
I think it might be helpful for us to think of a picture that's perhaps a little bit closer to home. Um, so I'd like to think of a humble pot plant. A person who follows God's ways is like a pot plant that lives at my mum's house. Okay? I received a pot plant as a, as a, a gift a long time ago, and I've made sure that it stays at my mum's house because she'll look after it. Okay? It will be given plenty of water, and it will live a good life. This is in big contrast to the poor plants that live at my house. They are cursed to struggle. They are dry as a bone. They're fading quickly. And I'm probably not even going to do anything about it. Okay? The person who reads the word of God is like a pot plant that lives at my mum's house. Remember that. I wonder, what's your experience of this sort of thing? What's your experience in the Christian journey of how the Bible has been to you? Has it ever been to you something that's refreshing? Has it ever been to you something that's given you strength? I'm quite a naturally anxious person on the inside. When other people see opportunities, I simply see potential problems and things going wrong. Uh, I expect things to go wrong, and that's not a particularly happy place to live sometimes. That often affects how I approach things that, like work. When, when the possibility opens of a new branch of work or of a new system that needs to be implemented, I'm the person in the meeting saying... I can see a lot of issues coming our way. I can see a lot of problems. Sometimes I think this is going to be a complete train wreck and we should get out while we still can. Because I take one look at myself and I take a look at the people around me and I think, I don't think we're up to this task. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think we're good enough. I don't think we can do it. We're not going to make it. And in those moments, I'm not feeling very strong and I'm not feeling very resilient. But in moments like that, in moments when I'm feeling anxious and stressed about this new stuff that's happening at work, God's word can be like a water nourishing me. The first four words of the Bible, the first line, simply read, in the beginning, God. When I read those four words, I'm reminded of a crucial fact. I may not be up to a task. The people around me may not be up to a task either. But life is not all about me. I'm not the main character. I'm not the hero whose job it is to save the day. That's God's job. He's the main character. And I can afford to wade in out of my depth because God is never out of his. So in those moments of weakness when I'm feeling stressed and anxious, God's word nourishes me. And I keep going. Now, I'm not saying that I feel like a tree by a riverbank, strong and resilient and benefiting everyone around it. But in those moments, I catch a glimpse of the nourishment that the Bible can give. And I understand some of the truth behind that tree. I don't think any of us really here feel like that tree by the riverbank. We don't feel strong and nourished all the time. But perhaps you've caught a glimpse at some point of the nourishment that the Word can give you. The Bible is like water nourishing the heart and soul of the believer. It is like the streams flowing past the tree, helping it to go strong and be resilient. That said, at this point, it is really, really easy to make a big mistake. Because from what I've said so far, it will be easy to think of the Bible as some sort of ancient self-help book with 10 tips to help tidy our life and tidy our home as well. And that, to be honest, is how we often treat the Bible. We, 
often treat it as if it is a how-to guide for life, a manual for happiness and contentment and how to get there. And to be honest, if you look at half of the Christian books in the world, that is how they use the Bible. Even worse, some of us at this point tend to use the Bible as something of a, of a spell book. We think that if we have enough fridge magnets with John 3.16 on them around our home, or if we post Instagram uh, posts with, with descriptions that have Bible verses, then God will bless us. We'll receive God's blessing like some sort of heavenly um, uh, chocolate vending machine. But the Bible never claims to be a talisman to ward off evil. And it never claims to be a guide to how to live our best life now. The fact is, it is neither of those things. The Bible is not magic, and it's not designed simply to help us live a better life, although I think it can do that. It is not a list of instructions to follow or a list of incantations to say. The Bible is simply a book about God. The Bible is awesome because it is one big arrow pointing to Jesus Christ. Listen to these words in John 5, 39 to 40, and then 46 to 47. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Those words were spoken uh, by Jesus to the religious people of his day. Uh, he was speaking to people who knew the Bible, or at least the bits that have been written so far. They knew it really, really well. But they said they were reading the scriptures, they were reading the Bible, and they were missing the point. They were searching for eternal life. They were desperately trying to follow the instructions. They were doing all they can to even memorize large chunks of the Bible, but they'd completely missed the point of the whole thing. Because every verse and every chapter and every book is a stepping stone towards Jesus. They're all side streets, pathways, and roads, all connecting together in a journey towards Christ. Because the prophets predicted him. The historical stories foreshadowed him, and the faithful waited for him. Someone even hints at this. As it tells us that the Bible is nourishing to the life of the believer, it says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Another translation puts it, this way, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. The person who is blessed in Psalm 1, the blessed one, is not blessed simply because they read the Bible a lot. They are blessed because they live their life under God's caring protection, seeking to know him through his word, delighting in him, delighting in what he tells them, and following him closely. Several years ago, or over several years, I should say, um, Fuller and I actually were in a, a long-distance relationship. Um, we, uh, she moved to Southampton to study medicine, and I stayed up here to do whatever I was doing at that time. Um, and because we're a little bit old-fashioned, we wrote letters to each other. 
We still used Facebook, and we still did video calls, and we still traveled to see each other, but we decided it would be really, really nice if we wrote letters to each other. And I absolutely loved those letters, and I still do. I actually have them all stored at my house. But if you ask me what I loved most about those letters, it would actually be nothing that's intrinsic to them. Because, yeah, they are full of news that was interesting. They're full of followers' thoughts. They're full of drawings and decorations and interesting facts. They're pretty cool. But what really mattered was not all those things, but what mattered was the person who was sending them. Because they were from Follow. It was news of her life. It was news of her thoughts. It was her ideas, her decorations of the letters. We can admire the Bible's beautiful poetry. We can marvel at its historical stories. We can be challenged by its moral teaching. But if we forget who that poetry is about, if we forget who those stories lead to, if we forget whose morals it is that we are following, then we have quite literally lost the plot. Jesus Christ and his gospel are the cornerstone of the Bible. It is essentially a book about Jesus and how he will save us. Psalm 1 does not say, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law. It says, blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. So if you want to get to know God, then get to know his word. If you want to read the overarching story of salvation, of forgiveness, of rescue, that Jesus is doing in this world, that we desperately need right now, then read the Bible that records that stuff. Now, I've been speaking to you for a little while, and about this time, usually in a sermon, people start to think about their lunch. And they start to gradually nod off, even if it's a good sermon. I know, because I do it. So to keep you awake, I have a task for you. Um, a question is going to appear on the board behind me. Awesome. And with the people around you, so maybe the people that you came with or just the people that you've ended up sitting with, I would like you to discuss for a few minutes your answer to that question. I'm not going to ask you to feed back. This isn't me checking up on you. But just reflect on it with each other. There are three points underneath to help with that discussion. So ask yourself, uh, are we... Um, are we spending enough time meditating God's word in our church meetings, with our friends, and privately with our lives? So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes just to chat amongst yourselves. You don't have to feed back, so you can be honest to each other. Okay? So go for it, and I'll call you back soon. Hello. For everyone who's reaching the end of their discussion... I have a bonus question for you as well, Sean. So, bonus question, so, so you continue discussion for a bit longer. Um, if you do spend time genuinely meditating on the Bible, are you genuinely living it out in your life as well, in those same three areas? That's your bonus question, so I'll give you a couple more minutes to continue your conversations. Do you want to bring your, your discussions to a close? You can continue chatting about that after the service as well. Thank you very much. I hope that you can reflect on that and, and think, are you spending time in the Bible? 
uh, and maybe challenge yourself uh, in, in the Lent period, on top of the other things you're doing, um, to spend some time reading the Word. Uh, could the band please come back up at this point? Yep. Um, uh, what I would like to say to finish is that uh, in my pocket I have my phone. And on my phone I have many, many things. I can access Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, uh, TikTok, BBC News, Gmail, the Wikipedia app. I have so many different apps and things on this phone. And every single one of them represents a voice. Every single one of them represents voices that are telling me things, telling me ideas and words, and they're shaping how I live my life. Um, I am living my life based on what I read on these things. And I'm listening to them constantly. We live in an age of voices, in an age of noise. But let me encourage you today to stop for a moment and ask yourself, what are you listening to? What voices are important to you? What are you listening to that just because everyone else is? What are you letting shape your life? Where are you getting your information? We live in a, such a noisy time that it can easily just be carried on the wave of voices and not stop and think about what we are actually listening to. And let me suggest that as people who claim to follow Christ, we should take a step back and we should assess particularly whether or not we are spending time listening to him. So let's listen to God. Let's listen to him as he reveals his wisdom through the scriptures and as he points us to Jesus Christ. Let me quickly pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have this that we can read. Stories of adventure, of incredible salvation, of miracles, of healings, of great wisdom. Lord, may we read it and we learn about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.